Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. So today we're on week three of our sermon series titled, Your Will Be Done. And the vision behind this series is to teach you that the will of God is always better and greater than your own will for your life, right? Because let's be honest with each other, we're stubborn. We're stubborn people. And sometimes what we think is best for our life is not always best, right? Your decision to eat a tub of ice cream right before bed because of a bad breakup may not be the best decision for your body. Or your decision to go on a blind date with somebody that uses about 50 different filters on their profile picture may not be the smartest idea either. Just be cautious of what shows up to the date, right? We need to be led more by the Holy Spirit than our own desires in life. Why? Because the Bible gives us this warning. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to what? It leads to death. What does this mean? This means that it is dangerous to put our own desires above the desires of God. It is dangerous to say, God, I want this right now in my life, and you no longer listen to the truth from other people or even the word of God, right? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says it like this. Fools always think their own way is best. You know anybody like that? Please do not point in this room, okay? But do you know anybody like that? They always think their way is the best way, and they do not listen to advice from other people. They don't care about what others say or even what God is saying in their life. They're going to do things the way they want to do them. Fools always think their own way is best, but wise people listen to what others tell them. Listen, it is also foolish to listen to your own thoughts instead of the word of God to believe that you know what is right instead of what the word of God is telling you. It is dangerous to be led by your emotions too. It is dangerous to allow your emotions and the way you feel in the moment to get the best of you and lead you instead of the Holy Spirit. Because what comes out of your mouth when emotions get the best of you? You don't want to say it in church, do you? right? When you get angry, when somebody makes fun of you, when somebody says something about you that is not true, you want to lash out on them. But it's the Holy Spirit in those moments that says, oh, remember, self-control. I don't want self-control right now, Lord. I want to hurt somebody, right? The Holy Spirit will lead you because God's will is always best for you, even when you don't like it in the moment, okay? But what do we say to God? We say, God, but there's some things I want. And I've heard the conversation over and over again. God, I I just feel like right now I'm happy in this relationship. But at the same time, I feel like you're telling me to leave this relationship. Why? And I preach this over and over again. But listen, to know God is to know what? To know love. And so right now, if you're pursuing somebody in a dating relationship that's not pursuing God, and not pursuing his love, listen, they're never going to get there unless God intervenes, but that is not your responsibility to do that. In a relationship, you don't want to become a babysitter. In a relationship, you want to allow God to meet them exactly where they are. So God may be protecting you right now in a dating relationship to say, hey, listen, they're not pursuing me. This person is not pursuing me, and later on, it's going to create division in the relationship. And sometimes that division is between you and God. And that's where it becomes dangerous because you're allowing your feelings to get the best of you. And God wants you to find out now in a dating relationship before you make a commitment in marriage. 
First John chapter four, verse seven and eight. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God's love is special. It's unlike anything else that we can find in this world. Why? Because it's selfless, okay? It doesn't matter where you have been or what you have done. God's love for you, his word for you always stands. It never changes. He doesn't change his mind about you like people can in our life. But maybe you're saying, okay, well then, pastor, how do I know I'm making the right decision? How do I know I'm doing the right thing then and not being led by my own emotions? The answer is simple, but we like to overcomplicate it. What's the answer? pray. You pray. You pray to the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. For I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. That verse right there used to scare me. I'll be honest with you. Every time I saw Jesus say, you can't have doubt, I said, well, I got doubt in my head right now. I got doubt in my life. Does this mean that my prayers are not going to be answered? No, that's not what Jesus was saying. Listen, he was saying, because you're human, you're going to face doubt, but you don't have to believe doubt. You don't have to allow that doubt to consume you, to control you, to stop you from believing that God can do the impossible in your life. Because it's true, that's what we do. We come in here and we say, hallelujah, God can do it, but we don't believe it for our marriage. Or we say, God can do it, but we don't believe it in our finances. We don't believe it for our future or in the talents that we have being used by God. We'll say, God can do it over here, but God can't do it over here, right? Jesus was saying, listen, there are some things in your life, some blessings you should receive, but you will not because you believe doubt instead. And doubt keeps creeping into your mind, making you stop and turn around from the blessing that is before you. So what it means is don't be moved by your doubt, but moved by faith instead. But let's continue the verse. And Jesus also said, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Those are powerful words. Like anything? I can pray for cake today and I'm going to get some cake. I've been craving some for a while, right? What is Jesus saying here? Listen, he's saying you can pray anything according to the will of the Father because the will of the Father is always best for your life. The will of the Father is always good and perfect and it lacks nothing because he knows exactly what you need even before you need it. Jesus is saying trusting the Father's will over your own life because faith, listen to me, is trusting that God can move the mountain even when he doesn't. That's what faith is. I trust that God can move the mountain even when he doesn't. Even when I don't get my prayers answered the way I want them to be answered, I still know that my God is in control and that his will for my life is better than the things that I want right now. Think about all the things that you prayed for in your life, right? I've I've made jokes about it before, a relationship. You're like, thank God I'm not in that relationship, right? That could have been bad. Or maybe a job opportunity that you thought would be best for you, but you would have had to move. And now you're seeing that that had a lot of responsibilities that would have taken you away from your family. See, God knows the things that you don't know. And God will confirm in your life and tell you these things 
even before you understand why. But here's what I love about this verse. And a lot of people don't know this. Where was Jesus when he said this? About the mountain? He said, if you have faith, this mountain can move. Where was he? Listen, just before this was Palm Sunday. Out of this, out of Mark chapter 11, okay? Mark chapter 11, it was Palm Sunday. This is when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and everybody's praising him, right? What was he near? Listen, Mark 11, chapter, or verse one. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. So most likely, that's what Jesus was looking at when he said, listen, if you believe, even the mountains can move. What is the prophecy of Jesus coming back in his second return? You ready? Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. On that day, his feet will stand where? On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will split apart. The mountains will move making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. Jesus said, my God, my father can do it. And everything, the father's word still stands, even when it seems crazy. That mountain can move, that mountain will move. Jesus was saying one day, my feet are gonna stand on top of that mountain. But he's also telling us, listen, you can pray anything to the father because the Lord wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear what's going on in your life. He wants you to be real. He wants you to believe that God can do the impossible for you. But what do you do when doubts attack you? You pray more. You pray harder, right? Doubt can only win in your life when you stop praying. I want you to understand that. Doubt only controls you and wins, your, win, wins in your life when you stop praying because that's what the enemy wants you to do. That's a strategy for your life. But listen, last week I shared a revelation with you about the Lord's Prayer. And I said, Jesus mentioned this to the disciples for the very first time that you can pray our Father because he's a heavenly Father, a good Father who gives good gifts to his children. But there's another revelation here I want to show you today. So let's look together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. In this manner, therefore pray, he said, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here's my big question. Why would Jesus say verse 13? What's verse 13? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Was Jesus saying the Father would lead us into temptation? The answer to that question is no. The Father would never lead us into temptation. So what is Jesus revealing here in the Lord's Prayer? The title of today's message is this, Pray for Deliverance. We need to pray for deliverance. We pray with purpose. We pray to the Father. We pray for deliverance in our life, okay? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says it like this. But the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And so I have three points I want to break down to clarify what Jesus is saying right here. Point number one is this. 
God will never tempt you, but impatience will. Let's be real today, okay? God will never tempt you, but impatience will. Impatience will knock at your door over and over and say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Have we arrived? Do you have what you want? Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel fulfilled today, right? Listen, the Bible makes it very clear, again, that the character of God never changes. Malachi chapter three, verse six, I am the Lord, I do not change. It is that clear. Okay, now this means that he is a good father. Why? Because this means when he speaks over your life, he's never gonna change his mind. Again, when he speaks prophecies over your life, when he speaks a word over your life, and by his word that we get to read, these things will always stand for our life, that you can follow him and believe no matter what you're facing today. This is why he's a good father. But what does his word say about the subject of temptation? All right, let's look together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter one. James chapter one. Verse 12 through 14, and it starts off like this. God blesses. Hold up. I thought we were talking about temptation. Look at this. The father's always pouring out his blessings upon his children, doing the right things. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Listen to this. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What is James saying? James is not saying, blessed are those who were never tempted. James is saying, blessed are those who are able to overcome temptation, who's able to keep believing and trusting the Father because of your love for him. For when you overcome temptation, the good Father gives you good gifts. Think about that. Because when you are tempted, you're wanting something right now. These are the counterfeit gifts of the bad father of this world, okay, the devil. They, they're only for a moment to satisfy at a moment, and then afterward, you have shame, you have guilt, you have condemnation, right? But God is saying, listen, every time temptation comes your way, I will give you a way out of that temptation, and you better believe it as a good father. I'm proud of you. And there's a reward for you. There's a gift for you. There's eternal salvation for you, but I'm going to continue to bless you because you made it out alive because you're led by me because of your love for the Father, but patience is key because, listen, impatience is a killer of blessings. You've heard of this before, that comparing yourself to others is a thief of joy. I'm here to, today to tell you that impatience is the killer of blessings. Why? Because impatience is unbelief. I want you to understand that. Impatience is unbelief. Two things are going to happen when impatience starts to consume you. First of all, you may say something like this. I give up. I'm done. I'm tired of this job. I'm tired of this relationship. I'm tired of these people. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of praying and nothing ever changing in my life. So I'm done. I quit. I walk away. That's what impatience will do. But the second thing impatience will do in your life is this. You make rash decisions. You make immature decisions that were not smart because you were impatient. You went after a relationship when you should not have been in a relationship at all. You went after a job when you should have prayed about it. You went through here. You went through there. You went through all these different things because you want it right now, right? And we become impatient, and that means, listen, we think we know better than God. We're all guilty of that, though. Isn't that crazy? 
We are all guilty. At some point in our life, there's been some type of situation in your life where you say, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it my way because I think my way is better. How, what did that, how did that work out for you? <laughs> what did that do for you? That's why you're here today, repenting, huh? <laughs> Giving it over to the Lord. God, I messed up big time. And I just want to say your will is always better and greater for my life. Listen, this is what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. There's a story where in Exodus chapter 24, where Moses had climbed to the top of Mount Sinai to meet with God. And the Bible says that he was gone from the people 40 days and 40 nights. Exodus chapter 24, verse 18. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud. And as he climbed higher on the mountain, he remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Here's what's so cool to me. Guess what the number 40 represents out of the Bible? A time of testing, a time of trials. Moses was on top of Mount Sinai 40 days and 40 nights. When the Israelites disobeyed God, they were in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. When Jesus started his ministry, he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is a time of testing in our life. But why? Why does God bring testing in our life? Why does he allow it? A testing of what? To trust God's blessings or to walk away from them. That has to be your choice. In life, you either trust that God has blessings for you, goodness for you, or you trust yourself and you walk away from them. That has to be a choice and only a test, a trial in your life can show the answer that is inside of your heart. You have to be pressed to really show the relationship that you have with the Father right now. Do you really believe that God can get you through anything? Do you really believe that he is a good father even when everything around you is starting to fall apart and you don't understand and you're angry at the world? Do you really hold on to his word and his promises? Listen, these trials in our life show what's really in our heart, but it's also a time of repentance and change. Just uncover some things that you didn't even know was there. God, I didn't know I behaved like this. I didn't know I still had some anger inside of me. I didn't know that I still had some resentment, but God, you showed it to me, and now I'll give it to you. I want to change. I want to be different in my life, right? These are why these trials happen. So what was Moses doing, though, on top of the mountain? The answer is he was collecting the Ten Commandments for the people to live by, meaning there was a purpose in God's delay. Let me say that louder. There is a purpose in God's delay. There's a reason why God isn't giving you the things that you want right now. I want the job, but you're not ready for the position. You're not ready for the requirements. You have no idea. You'll lose it as fast as you get it. You want the relationship, but you're pursuing lust, right? You're getting things out of order. You're pursuing sex before marriage, and now you feel ashamed, and you don't know what to do, and you feel more lonely than you ever have before. And God is working on the inside of you. You want money. But you'll spend it all in one day. And somehow, you'll collect more debt. Just because you have money in your hands does not mean you know how to spend it. So God wants to train you up and mature you through these trials so that you can trust him and be ready for the position when it's time. There is a purpose in God's delay for your life. So don't get ahead of him. 
Don't try to rush the process because impatience will attack. What will impatience do? Kill the blessings that God has for you. What did the Israelites do? So Moses is on top of Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. What did the Israelites do? Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking for Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. Are you serious? Like God freed you out of Egypt. You saw his holy presence by a cloud and fire. He's giving you manna from heaven. And Moses is gone for a little time. And you're like, well, guess we should do something else, right? Let's do something like, no, like you're crazy. Trust the Lord. But they said, they said to him, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. The way it's worded, they had no connection to him or God. They didn't even know why they were there because they didn't believe it. You can see it in the words. They didn't even know why they were there. Why did God bring us here? We'd rather go back to Egypt. At least we had food that we liked. At least we knew where we were. They didn't know what God was doing because they never took the time to hear his word or be in his presence, right? This fellow Moses, we don't know where he is. He brought us here out of the land of Egypt. Now, verse 6 and 7, the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, right? And they indulged in pagan revelry. And the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They are robbing themselves of my good blessings for their life. The promised land that I have for them, they will never reach it because they never believed. That's why Jesus said, don't doubt. That's why Jesus said you have to believe because the first generation Israelites got all the way there to the promised land. They stood right before it and they turned their back and walked away. Right now in your life, what is it that God is speaking to you about healing, about a miracle, about restoring something and you're standing right before it you're about to walk away. God doesn't want that for your life. That's why Jesus says to believe and overcome that doubt with believing and keep walking closer to the Lord because they, they made a choice. The Israelites made a choice and they walked away from the blessings because they became impatient. But I want to continue James chapter 1, 13 and 14. Does God tempt us? Listen to this. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. The Father does not tempt you. He is not the one that brings temptation in your life because sometimes it's so easy to blame the father over the decisions that you made over the things that you wanted, right? We get angry with God. How come you didn't stop me? And God's like, I warned you over and over again, but you never listened. You never listened to my word or what people said to you. You just kept going your own way. So guess what? I let you go for a chance to repent and come back. And Paul said that about the Corinthian church. 
there was a man stirring up trouble in the Corinthian church, and Paul said, hand him over to Satan, because that's the only way he's going to repent. He wants to chase the world. Let him chase the world. He's going to find out it's not what he thought it was. And he's going to come back into the home of God. And there he's going to receive healing and restoration and forgiveness. And he's truly going to be saved. So let him go into the world right now. But that's a hard reality. And that's a hard truth, especially for a parent. To see their kid rebelling against the Lord and to know that sometimes it means letting them off into the world. And all you can do, listen, is pray for their protection and guidance. And pray that the Lord will bring them in and meet them close and trust. But give that worry and that anxiety and that stress over to God because he's a good father. And he loves his children. But the Lord does not tempt. So let me ask you this question. What desires are calling your name? What temptations right now are getting the best of you? How do you overcome being impatient? How do you overcome all these things that are attacking your mind right now? What do you do when you feel like you want to pull out your hair? The answer, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Listen to this. What does the Holy Spirit produce? Love, joy, peace, patience. That's why they say, the Holy Spirit will say, sit down. You don't need to talk. You don't need to speak out your doubts right now. God is up to something. Oh, he's making you wait. You better believe something good is coming. Don't rush the process. Be patient. But listen, even more, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. When you pray, the Holy Spirit will give you strength to believe in the impossible for your life and to trust, listen, here's freedom right here, that God will tell you to move when it's time to move. That God will tell you to pursue something when it's time to pursue it. If you have not heard from the Lord yet, then wait. It's not time yet. But he has not forgotten about you. He has not left you. He's waiting for the right moment for the blessing to be a fullness for your life. And that should give you peace every single day. Come on. Don't let impatience get the best of you. All right, point number two is this, though. God will lead you into trials for a greater good. God will lead you into trials for a greater good. God will not tempt you, but he will lead you into trials for a greater good. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says it like this. My brothers and sisters, you will have many kinds of trouble. But this gives you a reason to be very happy. Listen to how weird that sounds. <laughs> hey, I know you just came to Jesus, just came to church today, gave your life over to Jesus. You're going to face a lot of troubles now. A lot of people are going to attack you, say things about you. So be happy. Yay. Be joyful in the Lord. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, you learn to be patient. When your faith is tested, that's when you become patient. Patient in suffering. If you let that patience work in you, the end result is good. For then you will be mature and complete. You will be all that God wants you to be. You will be in the fullness of God and lack nothing because he is the one that provides everything you need. But it's patience. Patience is screaming in your life saying, trust God. That's what patience means. It means to trust the Lord's desires over your own desires. But let's get back to the question. 
Why did Jesus say, lead us not into temptation? Why did he say it like that? Here's the answer. The word temptation is the same Greek word in James chapter one that translates to trials. Let me show you. James chapter one, verse 12, the ESV translation. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. But now let me read the same verse in the New King James Version. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. It is the same Greek word. It has a broader meaning. In fact, this one word can mean temptation. It can mean a trial. It can also mean a test in our life, right? That's what it means. So here's my question for you. Would God lead us into a trial? Point number two clearly says yes. Yes, God will lead you into a trial, but who tempts us? The devil. Satan is the tempter in our life. Matthew chapter four, verse three. The tempter, the devil, came to him and said, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Let me make it very simple for you. Then what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, listen, the father will lead you into trials for a greater good in the end. But while you're in those trials, the devil is waiting. And in those trials, he will tempt you in your weakness. And he will try to pull you away from the blessings that the good father has for you at the end of the trial. So the decision is yours. The choice is yours. So that's why Jesus was saying in those moments of weakness, what do you do? You pray. You pray for strength that God will get you through. Because here's a huge revelation. You ready for this? Jesus went through it too. Like Jesus went through it. Jesus was tempted. Matthew chapter four, verse one and two, listen to this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Have you ever asked the question, why? Why did Jesus have to go into the wilderness and be tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights, right? Because this was the beginning of his ministry. It was the first thing that he did. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and now he goes into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit leading him to be tempted by the devil. Why? For a greater good. For us. He did it for our good to relate to everything that we are facing today. You ready for this? Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 and 15. So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He has faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. He faced all the same temptations and trials that we experience to this day, yet he did not sin. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tempted, when we are being tested. Here it is. Here, here's the revelation. This is so powerful once you understand it. Jesus can help you with your temptation because he went through it too. He allowed himself to face all these struggles that we face today to show you what true freedom can look like. Meaning, when you pray, you can say to Jesus, Jesus, help me overcome lust. Jesus, help me to overcome pride. 
Jesus, help me to overcome my arrogance. Jesus, help me to overcome impatience just like you were able to overcome them all. For you understand exactly what is attacking me, but you are showing me the way through. You're showing me how to overcome it. Not only do you hear my cry, but you know the pain and the temptation of it. And you know how to set me free. You got to realize that changes everything. When you pray to a loving father who truly understands what you're going through. Recently, one of my wife's good friends, she got married not that long ago. And she was excited to plan her future and plan her life with him and, and get all these things in order. And everything was going really good. And then just recently, she called my wife and said that a horrific car accident had taken place uh, with her husband. And I don't know all the details of the car accident, but I do think it flipped over multiple times, um, and he should have been dead. It was really bad. And they rushed him to the hospital, and by the grace of God, they were able to save his life, but his body's not going to be the same. And they had multiple surgeries, um, but she told my wife that they were going to have to do a tracheostomy for him to be able to breathe. And now they have to drive, and they live in... Um, Northern Louisiana, I think they have to drive all the way to Houston now, Houston, Texas, to get him physical therapy. And it's gonna be a process. And you have to realize, like, they just got married. And this is already happening in her life. And so she reached out to my wife, and here's what she said. She said, listen, is it okay if I just call you from time to time? Because I feel so lonely in this, but I know you can relate. Why would she say that? Because if you know our story, you know that when our daughter was born, she had a tracheostomy because she couldn't breathe. She also had multiple surgeries, like a brain surgery, which is very close to one of the other surgeries that he had. And so even in our time of trials and testing through that process in our life, there are many times I ask God, why is this happening to us? I think we all ask that through a trial, right? God, why is this happening in my life? Why am I experiencing this right now? Why am I experiencing this heartache right now? But listen, her healing became a testimony today of God's goodness. But not only is it a testimony of God's goodness and power, also those who are going through the same trial today can now look at our story or look at your story and relate to you and see the faith that you have. And it gets them through the loneliness and the darkness. What she was saying to my wife is this. I know that you can relate to the surgeries. I know that you can relate to the fear. So I just want to call from time to time so you can help me feel better. And get through it. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, I know everything you're facing. You say nobody understands. Listen, I know what it's like. I know what it's like for people to talk bad about you. I know what it's like for people to gossip about you. I know what it's like for people to mock you and, and, and say these things about you and try to hurt you. I know what it's like for people to betray you, the closest people to, to betray you. Jesus knows what it's like, everything that you're facing today, the temptations that are knocking at your door. But Jesus is saying, listen, I have come to set you free, though. And when you speak to me, I will be able to hold your hand through it because I've already been through it. And I'll take you through it with power in healing grace. Jesus proved 
that not even the gates of hell can hold back his love from delivering you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. That's the Jesus we serve. The high priest, the high king. Yet at the same time, he knows exactly what you're going through. And he will walk you through every trial, every test. Which leads me to my last point. God will always deliver you. God will always deliver you. After the Lord's Supper, this is what Jesus did. It's found out of Luke chapter 22, verse 39 and 40. And he came out and went as was his habit. Underline that. He came out and went as was his habit to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he arrived at the place called Gethsemane, he said to them, pray continually that you may not fall into temptation. Why did I have you underline the first part? Because notice that this was a habit for Jesus. Notice that this was a habit for him to teach his disciples to do over and over again. It wasn't just a one-time thing. But he was constantly leading them and teaching them how to pray against the temptation that is knocking at their door. The temptation how the enemy wants to devour them so that they kept praying for deliverance through every trial they face. For the biggest trial stood before Jesus now, all leading to the cross. I want you to hear what Jesus prayed, though. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. He went on a little farther, and he bowed with his face to the ground praying. My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? He watched and pray so that you will not get given to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Here's what's unique about this story. Did you know that Jesus prayed this prayer three times? He prayed this prayer three times in the garden in Gethsemane. Two out of the Bible means fact. What does three mean? Eternal. Jesus is praying this over and over again for the eternal will of the Father to be done. Because a lot of times when we see how Jesus taught us how to pray, we get confused. Well, Jesus said, ask for anything. Jesus just said, believe it and it will come, right? Jesus just said, if you want it, it will come. No, Jesus was reminding us over and over again, the Father can do anything. But his will is best for your life and what you're praying for. And I believe the best example of this is in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Listen to his prayer. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Immediately, everything is possible for you, even for you to take this cup from me. So he says, please take this cup of suffering away from me. It's Jesus. And I want your will to be done, not mine. Would Jesus' desires be different from the Father? No, but he knew for the first time that he would be separated from the Father upon the cross to take our sins for a time. But listen, Jesus humbled himself to be separated from the Father for a time so that we would never be separated from the Father again. 
And so listen to his prayer. Father, I know that you are able. You can do it. Take this cup away from me. If there's another way around this, if there's another way for forgiveness, then take it from me. But if not, Father, let your will be done. Your everlasting will be done because that's what stands. That is what's greater for everybody because faith is believing that God can move the mountain even when he doesn't. And as he prayed, it revealed to us that when we pray, we get extra strength straight from heaven. Luke chapter 22, verse 43, that an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. An angel of the Lord appeared and strengthened Jesus in this moment. And I want to get more into this next week. But it's believed that when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus walked into Hades, taking the keys and freeing the saints who had been separated from God, proving to us that he would go as far as it took to deliver us from the pit of hell. Listen to this. Psalm chapter 24, verse 7 through 9. I'm going to have you stand up right here. This is too good to sit down for. Psalm 24, 7 through 9. Lift up your hands, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The King, Jesus Christ, has taken the keys to set you free, to reveal to you today that he is in your situation. He knows how you feel. And it's at these moments he's saying, just like he said to his disciples, keep coming and praying. Don't fall asleep. Don't hear, but not listen. Don't see, but not apply it in your life. And in those moments when you feel weak and your body is done, the spirit will move you and sometimes say to you, it's time to go down to the altar. I don't want to. No, you need to get down on your knees and you need to pray today because the enemy is at your door. And he's trying to tear up your family or he's trying to ruin the good gifts that God has for you. But when you come down to this altar, the Lord gives you strength. The angels encamp around you and demons fear you when you walk out because the spirit of God is in you. It's in those moments of prayer that people's lives are changed. It's in those moments of prayer that this church is able to make an impact anywhere in the lives of people watching from all over the world because of prayer. So today, let us pray. What temptation has overpowered you for way too long? And it's time to see a release. What trial are you going through that you don't understand? man, it would help you for somebody to relate, right? For God just to show up, meet you exactly where you are, and tell you it's not over. I'm leading you through this. It's going to be okay. Remember what Jesus said. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do not allow the doubt to stop you praying. Prayer is your weapon. Prayer is how you are rejuvenated by the Spirit of the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.